What's up, everybody? We back. R2C2, another week. What's good, guys? Well, I guess we're not allowed to go outside for a couple days. Man, this is crazy. Craziness. Isn't it? Like, there's something very enlightening when you realize that something happening environmentally thousands of miles away has this impact on you here. Talking, of course, about the wildfires in Canada and the air quality here in New York. It's crazy, man. And it's funny. I really avoid the news. I don't consume it. As you know, I've been off Twitter since December now. And so I didn't really know. Mom calls me. She's like, hey, you may be aware because you may just see the haze outside, but the air quality is really bad. Uh, you probably want to wear a mask if you're going to go outside and limit time out there. You know, what's crazy is that this has happened a couple of times in my life growing up in Cali. You know mm. what I'm saying? With the wildfires. Yeah. And I mean, most recently, I remember um, 2018, me and Amber had a big um, vow renewal out in Napa. And it was right at the time as like the the wildfires were going on. Like literally, we were thinking about maybe canceling, you know, everything that was going on up in Napa. So, um, yeah, I mean, sadly enough, I've dealt with this a lot. Yeah. It's funny, too, because like even obviously there are there are dire circumstances for some people uh, from this and, um, and and especially that are more central to what's going on. But see, it, what's crazy to me, just like examining myself psychologically is a couple of years ago, if you told me to put a mask on, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I don't care. You know, like I'll wear, I'm wearing a mask doing everything. Like there was no circumstance where I was like, Ugh, I have to wear a mask. I literally was like, oh, I got to wear a mask inside to hang out with five people. Sure. You know, I got to wear it on a seven hour flight. Sure. Like there was nothing that intimidated me about that. Now it's like, wait, do I have to put on a mask just to pump gas for two minutes? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's so crazy how... Uh, you know, the circumstances end up shifting your perspective on different activities or, or, you know, measures you have to take. But it is interesting. We will um, dive into a few different baseball headlines that are going on. We're going to talk with Quincy Williams, Jets linebacker, who is also the brother of Quinn and Williams. Uh, and uh, he's just Quincy's outstanding. We'll get to that in a couple yep. moments. But just real quickly, I feel like whenever I see different movement when it comes to college conferences. I'm always like, wake me up when it's over and tell me what happened and where each team is now. And I had a little bit of that feeling yesterday with the Live Golf PGA Tour merger news because it's interesting. Nobody really knows the specifics of everything. We It's sort of coming out in trickles we know it was a highly unlikely merger, it seemed, for a long time. But there's a part of me that's like, okay, tell me all the details because I have so many... Tell me all the details when they're there because I have so many questions about how this could possibly have come to be with the stances that were taken over the last couple of years by people on each sides of the Live Golf PGA Tour controversy. Yeah, and, and I'm like, for me, I'm I'm like all in it. I want to know every little detail that's happening. <laughs> who knew? Who didn't know? Who's pissed? Like, this is crazy because, like you said, you know, a couple of months ago, you would have never thought that this was even a possibility. And, you know, I mean, you got to give the guys that left the PGA, you got to give them, I guess you got to give them props, right? Because they guess they had their cake and ate it too? And, yeah, I mean, it all worked out for them. You know what I'm saying? And, and if I'm a guy that stayed at the PGA, I'm pissed. Fucking pissed. Because I, I could have went and got guaranteed money. And and it yeah. all worked out for these guys. So it's just a, it's a, it's an odd thing to, to watch how this thing is unfolding. And, um, you know, I understand the guys in the PGA because they were out in front and, and you know, going at the Saudis and going at the guys that left to go to live and, you know, taking all the heat and all of that stuff. And, you know, kind of the PGA commissioner just was kind of sitting back and, you know, not really having to answer all these questions. These guys are answering every week at every major. They answer questions about Brooks and, you know, Phil Mickelson and Rory's got these got these beats now with these guys that, you know, probably could have all been avoided if they would have got the business straight in the beginning. It's really interesting to me see and how it all will shake out because of exactly what you're talking about. Like the guys who did not take these massive sums of guaranteed money, massive, 
life-altering even for the richest of members of the PGA Tour, right? So you had these guys who, for one reason or another, turned down these massive sums of money, right? For some of them, it was because they really value being a part of the PGA Tour. They believe in it. There's a prestige to it. And there's something about it that they did not want to leave. For others, there were serious issues, concerns with the human rights history of Saudi Arabia. Of Saudi Arabia, right. And either way, I'm sure the vast majority of those people felt like they were making a principled choice to not go over to live golf, right? There was something, they were either doing it out of a, a certain principle that they feel tethered to the PGA Tour and they feel strongly about, mm -hmm. or something involving morality that they felt strongly about. And now you are saying, well, hold on a second. Not only did you not capitalize on the personal gains that could have been on the table for you, but now we are also perhaps going to dilute the money that you are going to be getting moving forward because of this merger, which some people may not care about. It's very hard to track every dollar everybody has and where it comes from. I understand there are different philosophies, but we do know definitively there were some people on that tour who did not want to go to live because they were uncomfortable with taking that money from the Saudi government, right? And now... Is it are they if they want to keep playing on the PGA tour, they're they're, yeah, they're the gonna same. be taking that money? Like yeah. that and you had them you know, the PGA tour kind of paraded those guys around championing the PGA tour, taking digs at live, and now you're putting them in the same predicament they were trying to avoid. If I was one of those golfers, I'd be really chapped about that. And now looking back on it too, they should have never been allowed to play in the majors. Yeah. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Looking back, I mean, now that that the you know they should have never been allowed to play in the Masters or the Open or any of these majors because it kind of took away from the guys in the PGA. I think it helped the guys in Live that Brooks came out and balled in the last two majors. You know what I'm saying? And and, and helped those guys. You know, I guess kind of get back in the good graces of the PGA guys because if you if you notice the last three or four weeks, Rory hasn't been as vocal about the live guys. Yeah. Um, kind of really after Bay Hill, he kind of like kind of got quiet about it. You know what I'm saying? And I think it was because of the player, the way these guys have been playing. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Cause they've been playing so well at the majors. Yeah. I, it, it's interesting. See, I, um, I think there's obviously, there's a lot of layers to it. And I'm curious because what I'm also curious about is, is there going to be some sort of guaranteed money given to the guys who passed up on it before? Man. Like, uh, like, what are they going to do and with that? What, like, it was reported that Tiger got offered a billion dollars. Obviously, he don't need money, but yeah. like, he could have used an extra billy right there. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And then come back to <laughs> to the PGA, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody can always use a little extra money, especially the younger guys. Like, Harold Warner made a, a, a perfect decision, going over to live, getting paid making more money than he probably would have ever made on the PGA Tour. Now he gets to come back and play in PGA Tours and, you know, get to get a chance to to win some of these majors and, and some of these PGA tournaments and be in the record books. The only thing I would say is it depends on what your definition of winning is, right? Because those guys are getting the best of both worlds now as far as just strictly golf goes because they're getting to be a part of the tour. They really... Nobody wants to be a part they, of the Live Tour. Right? No, they like, really no, want no. to be on tour. They, they, they really want to be on the PGA Tour. They just wanted the Live money. So they're getting the Live money and now they're getting the PGA Tour. So in that sense, it's a win. Where it's not is if you're someone who actually does struggle with you know swallowing what you sold your soul for, right? And so those people still made that decision. Now... Coming back, their hands kind of tied because it's like, well, you know, what's happening with the PGA Tour and, and how is how is everybody going to get funded there now? But it still probably feels a little bit different than the awareness that these golfers had when they left compared to what's going on now that they stay. I, I think that there's nuance in there. Do you know what I'm saying, C? For certain guys who like knew... 
I don't feel comfortable with where this is coming from, but I want that money and I'm going to go get it because it's the best choice for me and my family, whatever. There is something about that versus like, oh, where I'm at now, all of a sudden they're telling me like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not moving. I'm not chasing anything. But all of a sudden, just where the money's coming from is different. It's a nuanced thing that you could easily pick apart. I'm not naive to that. But I'm just saying, like, I could see in some people's heads where they feel like, I still kind of sold my soul. Others who feel like, hey, I, I got the best of both worlds. And yeah, others who feel like, others who feel like, well, I wasn't comfortable leaving, but I'm going to be comfortable staying because this is just where I'm at and there's nothing I can do. I think 90% of the guys that, that went and got a big check don't give a fuck. Then, which is probably why they went and got the big check anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I really don't. I, I really think they just they want they they saw that guaranteed money, and it doesn't happen in golf. You don't. You're not guaranteed. And I think the bottom line is you got to do whatever's best for you and your family, cause whatever you think is the best decision for you and your family, that's what the decision you got to make, and that's what those dudes did. I know. I I struggle with that. See, because like ultimately, that's you know. Obviously, at, at its core, that's like what all human beings do first and foremost, right? It's like you, you take care of your most immediate tribe, but then there's other there, things. There is no but. The, you don't think there's any but? Not, what not, it, when it it, comes, not when it comes to the six people that live in this house. I don't give a fuck about what nobody thinks. I agree with you, but here's there my is but. no but. But, <laughs> but. but what if you're already taken care of is my point. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not talking about feeding your family or not. You're talking about yeah, but like the, but, uh, but you're all talking the guys, about the, the like fourth generation's wealth versus the next three. Fine. For some guys, for well, some well, guys, whatever you think of taking your camp for care of your family is, that's your definition of it. I'm so, uh, that's fair. Dustin yeah. Johnson's definition of taking care of his family was five generations. He already had yeah. money, but yeah. it's, it's it's generational wealth for him. So it is what it is. It's, it's what you believe in. It's, it's ultimately who you need to take care of. And when right. it comes down to the six people that live in this house or the other five people that live in this house, I don't give a fuck about what nobody else's opinion. And Period. I think, I'll, I, and I, I totally get that. But what, no, no, but, here's just my other perspective. If that's your only guiding light ever, what are you willing to do? And where do you draw the line? Because Man, in, in, in me, sports, let, let me in, tell you that in sports, yeah. I was willing to come to a place that I never wanted to fucking come to. Right. Told everybody that I, I, I basically sold my soul to come to New York for the money. The shit worked out. Yeah. But, it, but you're going to take the biggest check, cuz. I don't give a fuck what you, you're going to take the biggest check, period. I understand what you're saying as far as like within this world, there is some sort of feeling of insulation no matter what, because your decision to take the most money and go to the Yankees doesn't have any sort of costly ramifications for anybody else's health or well-being. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just saying that like there is some line at some point where your decisions even if it's great for your immediate good could affect others negatively. Not saying this is that line. I'm just saying that line's out there. Yeah, not in the context of sports though. Yeah, not in the context of sports. No, Never. I understand what you're saying. I, and, and 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 I do think that those guys probably are like, "Hey, I got my money, and now I'm coming back yeah, to the PGA but, Tour. But, but that's what would piss me off if I was still, a, if I didn't leave. That yeah. Would, that would really, that would really, that's, I think that's what, like, Max Homa and all these different guys, I think that's what irks them more, that these guys get to come back with their money and their guarantee. Yeah. Like, that, that kind of sucks for the guys that didn't leave. It's crazy. It is crazy. Clearly, see, you and I could just do a golf podcast. Like, clearly. <laughs> I'm clearly. so into this shit now. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm so tuned in. I haven't, I haven't watched baseball in a couple of weeks, guys. Like, yeah. I'm just so locked into playing and, and watching golf. Guys. Are you watching just, like, regular tournaments Bro, now, too? I watch LPGA tournaments. I watch wow. everything. My TV stays on the golf network. You're just golf on network. golf. That's awesome, All man. All day. It's crazy. That's really awesome. You're going to be a golf analyst at some point. That's gonna <laughs> I don't be know your, about that. That's I just want to be good future. enough to fucking move my golf ball. Hey, well, you know what? What are you shooting right now? Uh, I'm still, I'm like a 13 right now. That's pretty good, man. Yeah, that's pretty better than last summer. You, you played with my agent last week, Matt Kramer, who mm -hmm. I love. And he told me, he was like, 
CeCe's a really good golfer. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's gotten good, man. I was like, he's obsessed. He's, he he golfs all the time, man. I'm getting there, man. My bag is changing now, so the, we'll see. Is air quality index? No worries. C's on the course. I'm out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, well, we were going to do a little deeper dive into baseball, but I feel like we probably should get to Quincy. Just one quick baseball thing real quick, see. Um, is Shohei Otani already the MVP this season? Man, it seems that way, right? It's I, I mean, I, it kind of you know, does. It's, it's crazy because it's down to him and Judge again. Yeah, because I know. Judge, Judge keeps playing, getting these little dinged up injuries, but Judge yeah, is so good. The way he was playing, man, you you want to, you know, it's, it sucks that he gets hurt. I know. It, it sucks that this is going to sound stupid. It sucks that he plays so fucking hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But it, I know, I know, it, it's, I know. It's who he is, but he, yeah, like he needs to be out there in bubble wrap, cuz you know what I'm saying? Like he plays so hard. He that plays was a so great hard. play he made yeah. the other night in L.A. Yeah, but but the thing about that, it was a great play they made. It was in the eighth inning, right? Yeah, he would have made that play in the first inning. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, you're so right. Like, you're right. In the you're first right. inning, I'm like, cuz let that ball hit off the wall. Yeah, like, we get yeah, score yeah. Run. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. he plays so fucking hard that it scares me, man, because. He's such a big part of that offense and, and just the culture and everything. It just looks smoother when he's there. So it sucks that he got hurt, but that play was incredible. But I just wish this is a dumb, another dumb statement. I just wish he didn't play that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's been a little smarter in, in recent years, I think, about like certain things, but it's still so ingrained in there that. Oh, no. You, I mean, you it is who he is. Yeah. yeah so exactly. it was like Grady Sizemore. I say the same thing. Like he yeah. played himself out of the game because he played so fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I also like just one last thing on the Angels. Like I know they're above 500 a couple games. I hope that they stay in contention this year cuz it's just so sad what generational talent they've had there and we haven't gotten to see them on the biggest stage really. Like what does Mike Trout have one postseason series in his career? Yeah, one it, and then like watching the, both of them in the WBC. You want to yeah, see them in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. With the expanded playoffs, hopefully um you know, we'll see. I mean, but the Rangers in that division is so they're so good. Rangers the don't even need DeGrom. And you know the it's Astros crazy. are gonna be there. You know? Yes, so yes, hundred percent. Look uh, at it's those divisions tough. in the AL East, man. It's cra it's crazy. Like, I mean, it's a shame that there has to be a team that makes it from the central. Because because <laughs> this would be the like year a, to say, hey, you guys can stay. You home. guys could just sit this one out. Like, yeah, yeah. Just put the Orioles in because if the yeah. Orioles were in the Central, they'd be fucking leading that division. Oh, they'd have a ten game lead. It's crazy, it's crazy man. man. I, I want to see the Orioles play in person. I think they come here pretty soon, but I haven't seen them play yet in person. But they they're young and they look they look exciting, man. They're good. And Jackson Holiday's still on the way, man. It's unbelievable what, what Jackson's been able to do this year. I mean, he's I think he's won uh player of the week two different through two or three different times and just watching him in the power and I mean he's in high A right now, tearing it up. And I think they're scared to put him in double A. Because if he tears it up in double A, the they're gonna be like, Bring him up. What do yeah. you do? Get a kid yeah. fucking nineteen years yeah. old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think they, they may sit him in high A for the rest of this year and then turn him loose in double A next year. But Jackson's on his way for sure. Mm -hmm. um, another gentleman who's on his way, Quincy Williams, signed his uh, first big offseason contract this year with the Jets, a tackling machine next to C.J. Mosley, also the bro brother of Quinn and Williams. You know, Quinn has had his contract issues with the Jets, but a total stud. Really interesting conversation here. Quincy and Quinn, like the, the connection of, for them as brothers, I think you guys are going to find that fascinating. Quincy's also just a really funny guy, cracks several jokes. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation, see, and I think our audience will as well. So without further ado, here is Jets linebacker Quincy Williams on R2C2. We need to start this podcast by saying congratulations because Quincy got that second contract that is a big deal when you're a professional athlete. You know, obviously, much better than I do, see, but a huge deal when you're an NFL player. So, Quincy, congratulations, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. What, congrats. Uh, what's, the, what's, the what's the first thing you bought? The first thing I bought, oh, man. I, the first thing I bought was a house. Nice. Nice, man. A house. Yeah, finally got my own little piece of land, something I can call my own. It's great. It felt great for real. 
Nice. Where you don't have to give uh, specifics with the address, but what region of the <laughs> country <laughs> did you buy? The, the yeah. Georgia, Atlanta. We don't just say Atlanta, Georgia. Right outside Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Nice, man. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. It's closer to home from Birmingham, Alabama, so it's like closer to home. So yeah, my brother lived like twenty minutes from me, so we're trying to like stay in the same neighborhood. Oh, that's perfect, man. Perfect. That's that's the way to do. And because brother is expecting a baby soon too, right? Hey, trust me, I've already been having long nights just running errands and stuff, and it's so just <laughs> really just get to be a lot of help with that. Also, yeah. I'm excited. I think I'm more excited about it than he is. For real. <laughs> <laughs> I went and bought little outfits. I already got shoes already. Uh. Like, and then my runner just keep telling me, it was like, she's going to grow out of them. And I'm just like, well, she's going to be fresh when she in them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Hey, let me tell you, as someone who lives close to my sister and brother-in-law and nephews, and I have a kid myself, the it is amazing when you have that support nearby. First of all, it's fun. But mm -hmm. second of all, like Uncle Quincy's going to be called on a lot for different things. Oh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes it a good time. So, Quincy, there's a story about how you got the news that your your contract was happening this off season, and it sounds amazing. It sounds like you basically got the news at the best possible time to celebrate good news, <laughs> yeah. which was your your best friend's bachelor party. Yeah. So, uh, my brother, I actually, he's like my brother. I'm gonna be honest with you, and we actually had the first. That's the same name. His name is Lamont. My middle name is Lamont. He's uh, my best friend. So I was hosting a bachelor party for him. And all of a sudden, I got the call from my agent. And she was like, do you have somewhere quiet to talk? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go outside. And she was like, no, even quieter. So I asked one of the managers that was at the restaurant when I was in Houston. And I was just like, bro, you got a place I can call, talk to just like real quiet? And then we went into the kitchen. And it was still kind of like loud. And I was like, I'm going to go in this freezer real quick. <laughs> <laughs> And so I started out, I was like, you won't believe where I'm at. And she was like, where I said, I'm in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> like one of those huge walk-in freezers. Yeah, one of the huge walk-in freezers. I mean, I'm sitting over there playing with the uh, the grapes or whatever. Eating the grapes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's now, amazing. Did you go back out and tell everybody the news after you got after you got the phone with your agent? So actually, before we even hung up, I agreed to it. And then before we even hung up, my phone just going ding, 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 ding. And they actually were looking for me because it popped up on their phone first. And they thought I like been new about it, didn't tell them. And I like walked out and they were like celebrating. I was like, you know, like, oh yeah. I said, I got something else to tell y'all. And they was like, you signed your new concert. How y'all know that? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so- That's the, crazy. That's crazy. In the time that you got off the phone, as you're walking back to them, the news had already broken? Yeah. That wow. is nuts. And it That's was, crazy. It was actually a Sunday, too, though. It was a Sunday. We was at a brunch. We was at a brunch in um, in Houston, and I was in the freezer, and they were outside celebrating, and I came out, and they were celebrating even louder. And I was like, hey, I got something to tell you. And they was like, yeah, you signed your new contract. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the power of... Of social media, Twitter, everything. Yeah. That's crazy. But I just told him, I was like, you know, let's just have Lamont have his day or whatever. Then we'll come back. Let's go to another spot and celebrate that. Oh, <laughs> Even awesome. more reasons to have parties. That <laughs> must have been a, a fantastic time. That is fascinating, though. Like, who, 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 who do you know who the reporter was who broke the news? I actually don't. All yeah. I know is yeah. my phone was slowly dying. I was sitting in the freezer. I was cold. Uh, I had on shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a uh, just a funny story. Like I think my draft day was funny too because I was outside, didn't even know that my name got called yet or whatever. I had I was on the phone with like my grandparents or whatever talking to them, and someone just kept calling my phone. And I was like, decline. And then I was just talking to him. And somebody called again. I was like, hold on, let me get this. And then I got on the phone. And I was like, oh, I almost just canceled my own chances. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Well, to have, uh, you know, two of the most memorable moments of your career thus far have these incredible corresponding stories. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know, you get drafted in the third round and 
initially, things don't necessarily work out with Jacksonville the first couple of years, right? They end up waving you. You go to the Jets, and you have become a mainstay on that defense to the point that you're rewarded with this new contract. A team that now has really high expectations, a lot of talent beyond just the new quarterback, which we'll ask you about as well. But (laughs) for you, what – I don't know if it's – what was the difference or what was the evolution for you from the end of your Jacksonville experience to where you are now as this very significant contributor for the New York Jets? So um, I can say that the most important thing was the actual coach who was there, Rudy. He was actually, he's my linebacker coach now, but he was my first linebacker coach when I got into the league. So um, when I first got into the league, he was teaching me the position, but he was hard enough to get an upgrade in position at another team. So he ended up leaving. Mm-hmm. So, and then we, when I got to the Jets, he basically said, it was like, all right, I'm back. Like I'm back. Let's get to work. So it was just like, that person who's basically telling me like you're a starter in this league, like he just sees everything. Then all of a sudden he's just buying into what he's saying now. And I also had CJ. I had, well, I had veterans around me in Jacksonville, Miles Jack. He was very, he was uh, very good, but CJ Mosley actually like taught me how to be a pro on the field and off the field. And I was just buying in. And I felt like in Jacksonville, I felt like I, it was, everything was like moving too fast. It was like more like you got to come in and play right now. And, Let's be honest, I wasn't experienced at the position because I played safety in college. So it was really like time went by. So like my third year, it was like I was catching on the thing. But in Jacksonville, it was like, hey, it was new coaches changes too. And then new head coaching changes. And then also two whole different defenses. And they kind of had already told me like they brought their guys in. So I just took a step back, uh, regathered myself, and just like – if I get a second chance, I'm gonna make sure that chance count. And just Jets, um, bless Jets, came took a chance on me, and also my brothers there too. So like my why is literally there with me. So instead of in Jacksonville, my why I'm talking to him every day. I'm literally working next to my why now. Well, one of my why's, but my brothers, my siblings are my why. Mm. Like why I do everything? Why I work so hard? Why am I waking up? during the offseason, getting another workout in type thing. So, yeah, I, I think that was the difference, really. And just uh, style of defense we played, like, real, really fast and getting to the ball. Everyone, that's like my superpower, too, like, just running fast to the ball. And then, so, like, my first year I had a couple of wearing tests where I was, like, out of place running to the ball. But I was making plays, but it's more like it can make or break me because you run into the ball, but it's just like there's not your ball to make. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like it kind of just took that time with me for real, for real. I mean, well, you- coming out of college, not playing a position, and then having that coach, like what were some of the things that he was, you know, like trying to teach you and tell you in Jacksonville that helped you, you know, when you got to the Jets and now getting them back? Because we had Alan Lazard on the pod, and he, that's what we, that's what we talked about, like having that one coach and you know somebody that believed in him and that you know helped him take off in his career. So the, doing the extra little thing. So when in Jacksonville, my first year, Rudy before he left, Rudy actually took me out of practice. I mean, not out of practice, but after practice, to go through like the basic fundamentals of playing linebacker because. At safety, you see everything. So I was trying to do the same thing at linebacker, and he was like, no, you, if you see a little, then you see a lot. Mm-hmm. So that mindset right there, he just started, like, just moving. It, it, it went from, like, just moving trash cans to, like, him calling me and be like, all right, what did you see here? Like, he's just basically trying to learn how am I like, – like, how do I learn? And then, like, now we'll be in the mean room, and he'll ask me a question, and then – People like some of the players would be like, you know, like, where do you get that from? And then coaches just be like, he just sees it a lot different. Like he sees it in like reps or he sees it in. So me, I'm like an imagery type person. So like if I see something, I have like good memories. Like, all right, this is from the Bills play or this play right here is from the Giants play or something like that. So then he started coming back, talking to me the same way. And he was like, it's the same thing you did for the Bills. And then I remember the Bills play and I'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So I guess it was just like that change of like learning. I mean, like finding out how I learned, basically like took that time to find out how I learned. And then after the meetings after, he was basically teaching me the same thing that I learned with everyone else. 
just in my way of learning. Mm. How about, you, you know, we talked about this a little bit with Darren Waller and he was really, he, he was very interesting about it. Just the psychology of, you know, you get waved, you know, for a lot of people, I mean, that can be really destabilizing. You have this trajectory in your life and your career, your hopes and your dreams. All of a sudden there's like a break put on it. Right. And obviously here's some of the ways that you've bounced back, uh, and, and continue to enhance your game. But how about just emotionally, psychologically, how did you deal with that period of time to get yourself back in the position you're in now having the success that you are? Really, it was more like a shocker because I felt like, first of all, it's the most healthiest I've been that training camp that I got waived, actually. So like I did, I mean, my coach was telling me that I was doing good and all of a sudden to get called in to get waived. It was more like a, like maybe the the, the people when I got drafted, because when I first got drafted, they didn't have any film on me. And I remember the the number one reporter, he was saying out of 500 or some player, Quincy wasn't on a list that I would thought would have got drafted. So, I mean, like that stuck that stuck with me. And then when I got cut, it's more like a, damn, maybe he was right type of mindset. But yeah. I talked to my, I talked, and then it went to, oh my God, like, am I going to have to get a real job now? Like, only thing I know is football now. Like, then it went all the way back to a funny thing, like, I got a degree. What did I get a degree in? <laughs> like, I didn't do any intern. Like, I didn't do any intern. So it's more like, got a degree, but what do you do with this degree? Like, it's just a paper I, I bring in and be like, this is a receipt of showing like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, but to be honest, I talked to my brother. Uh, my brother was first person to call me. He was like, bro, you just like, I've been playing with guys. And also, he played at Alabama with. C.J. Mosley now, mm-hmm. uh, Ruben Foster, all the Mac Wilson, all those top linebackers that, I mean, that on paper they're considered top linebackers. So he was like, bro, you'll be good in this league. Just hold off on it. Then I didn't really understand the Cubs. I thought it was like over with. And then my agent called me. She was like, no, nah, you got 24 hours to get picked up. And then so like that, that waiting time is like you have no control. Like there's no way you can send film and be like, oh, come give me, or like do a workout and be like, come give me for 24 hours. You're sitting with yourself and like, like currently your career is over. Like you might not be able to play football again. So with that mindset, that mindset of actually feeling that, I I just prayed about it and just kept telling myself, bro, when I get, if I do get another chance, when I get the next chance, I'm putting my all into it. And then as soon as the Jets call, I just went with that mindset. Like, I never want to feel like that again. And then that's when everything just took off. Mm. It's an awesome answer and and terrific insight. It's also interesting, you know, hearing you, Quincy, and you use terms like my why and my mm-hmm. superpower. Like, what How kind of how did you sort of start thinking of things like that? Because to me, you're in your mid-20s. That sounds like a really mature approach and awareness uh, for a young you know person never mind someone who deals with everything that an athlete does what kind of got you to start thinking of things through that lens really the people i was surrounding myself with so i'm from birmingham alabama you know it's a lot of stuff going on or whatever but really like where i i realized where i wanted to go and i started surrounding myself with those people and actually one of those one of those persons was my brother you see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So was, I ended up um, going to a smaller school because of grades and stuff like that. But every single day I'm doing my work at, at Murray State, but I'm also calling corner asking, like, what are these top caliber players who are, like, how on the drive board right now doing? And then actually talking to them be like, what extra work are you guys working on? So because at the NFL, everybody's at the same level, no matter what school you mm-hmm. came from. So it was more like – and then my coach actually set me down, and I was just – he was like, all right, you're the best on, like, Murray State defense. So, like, that's small mind. Think about those guys who's, like, also going to be in the draft also. So it was just, like, that mindset just made me take it to a whole nother level. And then I also had a good friend named Marcel Darius, who is from Alabama also. And so he was at Jacksonville the same as I was in Jacksonville also. And then he just told me, like, basically, you do the work, like, Whatever you get is because you did it, not because mm-hmm. someone else did it for you. So when I got drafted from a small school, Murray I'm the highest draft pick like in history, like since the school has been built or whatever. Yeah. It's more like 
you did that impossible so you could continue doing it. So like with that mindset, it really just it just took off from there. When you're at Murray State, are you thinking I'm going to be an NFL player? I'm going to be honest. When I was at Murray State, I was thinking about having fun and enjoying the moment. But it was just that one time, I like after a game, coach like came in, watched fam, and he was just like, you know, like why did you take that play off? And I was like, I could have made that tackle if I wanted to. And then he was like, and there other, he was like, you're the best on this team. And then he started showing up film like Mac Wilson, showing me other film. Uh, Ruben Foster was the guy I, like really really looked at, and he started showing. Up. He was like, these people are play the same position and are fighting for the same job you're fighting for. So like right after that moment, right there, it was more like. Oh, I gotta be better than them now. So it's like finding out what they were doing and stuff, and then taking my game to the next level. Because if it wasn't for grades, I'd be at a, like I'd be at a different level. I'm grateful for the opportunity they gave me, but like that's just my mindset where it was. And then, like I said, my brother's Courtney Williams, like he's like this top player, so he's having this success. And then he's also calling me, talking to me about it, also. So we also got like a competitive nature, like <laughs> just like having fun. And he'd be like, "How many sacks you had? How many tackles you had?" Like, and soon as I'm done with my games, because we played in the morning on the plane, I'm telling everybody, "Turn the game on!" Like I'm watching my brother play, like on the bus. Hey, everybody, be quiet! I'm watching my brother play. Type <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, same for him. So that's kind of like where it was. But now y'all playing together, but growing up, what was it like? You two, you, growing up in Birmingham, I know y'all had to dominate playing peewee football. And did y'all play yeah. other sports growing up too? Yeah, so it's three of us. It's three boys, actually. So I have a younger brother that also plays football. He's currently at Miles College, as named Giovanni with But growing up, we were called the great trio. So every team we played on, we all played together. It was actually... One, uh, one year it was Courtney was at defensive um, defensive line and there were two linebackers, me and my brother. Wow. To the point where it was two defensive line and then it was me at the point. But the way it looked, it was a triangle. So like we had to, we knew for a fact if we didn't play good, well my dad also like instilled in us if we didn't play good that that we were gonna lose, basically. That's basically <laughs> I even said it without saying that. And then so my dad was real hard on us about working out nutrition-wise, so we woke up every morning working out, eating healthy and stuff like that. But then also when people like say success, like some of my friends start staying with us and stuff like that, working out, waking up in the morning, working out with us too. So that's kind of like – we at first we were just doing it to just like be with each other. Like, oh, Quinn is waking up – because I was – I didn't even play football first. I didn't care about football. I was a swimmer, and I'm actually a junior Olympic swimmer. Wow. So it got to a point where we ended up switching sports. We got in an argument one day, and I was like, my gold medals work more than your tackles. Like, I got gold medals. They're gold. (laughs) One statement has always been, one day my tackle is going to be worth more than your gold medals. And he got taken first round, and now his tackles are worth more than (laughs) (laughs) But that's actually how I started playing football, like us just competing with each other and then actually – getting to play on the field with each other, then he swam, then we played. And then someone told us, like, all right, y'all athletes, but y'all don't play every sport. So we took that, and, like, every summer we did a different sport. We ended up playing tennis together. Wow. Um, Then do golf, then do baseball, play basketball together. So it was just, like, soccer together. So we just started taking off just doing different sports because we wanted to become, like, actual athletes. So it was like one dude told us like you can't be an athlete if you don't play all sports. Boom, that took off. Track, talk, uh, <laughs> we talk. We talk about this all you the time me? on the pod. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we do. Like like how like well, and we talk about different aspects, but like how specialization where you spend all your time on one sport really yeah. does a disservice to you in so many other ways, right? Yeah. So because I'm a swimmer, like my arms are really long now. My stamina was real good, so. I give it up to that. And then also, like, just – I say tennis and when it came up, my eye and hand, that's the hardest – like, I – It's the hardest sport. Like, that's the hardest sport. And now they got something called, like, pickleball, so you're, like, even closer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I can play pickleball. I got bad knees, so I can't play <laughs> tennis. But I, I can do pickleball. <laughs> I'm good <Yeah>. at pickleball. <laughs> so so do, you, do you still swim, Quincy? Uh, Condition-wise, yes. Competitively, no, because my body fat has, you know, I mean, not my body fat, but my muscle mass actually has slowed me down a lot. But conditioning-wise, yes, uh, swim during the off-season. 
when so what was the peak of your swimming accomplishments i'm guessing junior olympics how old how old were you when you were uh, at your best eighth, i think i stopped after the eighth grade eighth grade so when i got to high school is when my dad basically came to me and said hey you're gonna have to pick a sport to compete in because i was playing football so i had to gain weight but then during the summertime when i used to swim i had to lose all my weight so that's kind of like how my weight started fluctuating and stuff like that then it became a point where he was like, hey, this is actually getting rough on your body. Like, you got to choose. Yeah. So, and then it was like, my mom was a school teacher also. So, my mom ended up passing the breast cancer in 2010 when I first got to high school. So, that's the point. It was kind of like she wanted all her kids to get college degrees and stuff. So, now it was a point of what sport, since I played all of them, what sport can I, like, be specific in and then actually go to college for? Hmm. So get a free education, all that kind of stuff. So that's why I ended up picking football. I mean, track, I was good. Four-time high jump state champion. Uh, tied with Bo Jackson, the seven even for the 5A high jump state record. So, wow, man, I did a lot of – I mean, I did a lot of sports and stuff. So, But my Amazing brother also athlete. did them with me, though. Yeah. That's really cool, man. That's a really – I mean, it, it obviously, thinking of your mother's uh, wisdom – steered you well because here you are succeeding in the nfl i'm curious if you would have kept swimming do you think you would have taken been an olympic olympian olympics for sure wow for sure. Like, for sure. Like, <laughs> and then i realized you couldn't go to college sports i mean like you had to get like a the college thing was like i didn't really understand it when i was younger yeah and then i was just like uh like college swimming football track like which one I'll get like bored of, and I was like, ah. Then I started saying like the Olympics was on like a certain amount of time a year. Yeah. Like, ah, football it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, also when you're swimming, don't you have to? Isn't it like super early in the morning when you have practice when you're a swimmer? Yeah. So outdoor pools and indoor pools are like different. So. My dad actually got us into it just for like conditioning and it was like hot outside. And then we ended up going, so we was at a traditional pool. Then we went to Olympic side pool, Olympic side pool, like draining. But we swim like first thing in the morning, probably yeah. like six, like five or six. And then just like what you eat really determined what our workout was. So like my dad let us eat whatever we want, but it determines what our workout is going to be the next day. So like if my brother ate bad, we're going to be punished tomorrow. <laughs> so he was like, the freedom is like, he basically let us eat what we want to eat, do what we want to do, go to sleep whatever time you want to go out. But it was mandatory that we had workouts at starting at 5 a.m. So it was like, wow. you did what you wanted to do, but at 5 a.m., you're going to be right there running outside. Then you're going to swim. Then you're going to lift weight. You're going to drink your protein shake. Then you're going to practice after school. So... It, it was good now because I got I had a good schedule when I got to college. I would I didn't have to like adapt or anything like that. Makes you accountable for like what you like what your next day is gonna be like. Yeah, you looking <laughs> at that burger, you looking like ah, I'm gonna just go home and cook. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that is what an awesome uh, what an awesome way to yeah to teach accountability. See, because I'm thinking like okay, you could do what you want, but there's a tax for that. Like, and because because this isn't changing, that's yeah, that's pretty good. Now, wait, I'd had some of my days where I was like, Yeah, whatever, I'm gonna stay up late and wake up at five and I'm throwing up on the sideline. And he's just like, Come on, <laughs> I'd have had my days where I picked the wrong decision. I was like, I'm gonna be good. Now, I had days now, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. How about Quincy playing for Robert Sala and you know, a guy who obviously had a lot of success on the defensive side of the ball as a D coordinator in San Francisco. Now here with the Jets last year, I know didn't season didn't end the way you guys wanted to, but by and large, a successful building block season for you guys. What stands out about the way he coaches and especially as a defensive player, how you connect with him as a head coach? Really with him is the physicality part of things. So, it's getting the job done, but being efficient at it. So that means not, all right, so if you run in 10 yards, I mean, like, if you have a drop, 
like doing it smoothly and correctly instead of all out burst running all crazy and stuff like that. So it's mostly like the efficiency of it. Like this is this is what we're trying to get accomplished. Just get it accomplished type thing. So really, and then also it was more like, all right, I'm giving you a job and then you make it your own. So he gave us the freedom to actually play our own defense, like how we feel and stuff like that. So he'll give us like a cover three and then boom, we can dictate it how we want loans we get the job done type thing. So it's it's a lot of freedom in it also, but it's a trust thing too though. So like he's basically trusting us to go outside and go out down the field, make the checks that we want to make and we need to make to succeed. That's the biggest thing. And then also the running and hitting part. <laughs> <laughs> he likes that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> How about we'll ask you about the uh the new rock star you have at quarterback here with the Jets. I saw a story where you were talking about, hey, you were a little starstruck when oh, yeah. Aaron first got there warming up next to him, right? What did that feel like? Man, just being in the pre- I don't know. I'm going to be honest, being in the prison <laughs> zone, just like, all right, I'm going to get a go against this guy every single day. He's going to be able to add value to me just in practice because MVP. So, like, he knows – he's played against guys that, let's be honest, just are better than me or they can compete with me. Mm. So he's gonna give me tips on things like that. So it's just like just the knowledge is in his brain, just picking his brain and stuff like that, knowing that you have that person on the same team as you and not going against you. Like you're learning from him. And then when you go against other quarterbacks, it's like, all right, this is what he said he's looking at and stuff like that. So off the field, oh, he's a true leader, like for real. Like just ask him questions anytime, cool with it. Uh very laid back, chill. So it's very cool. He also elevates the expectations for the team, right? Yeah. Like, what is that something that is discussed amongst you guys? Is that something you just feel? Do you now look at this group and say, hey, we can compete for a Super Bowl this season? Yeah, it's a, it's a feeling. So, like, his first day of report day, it was more, I mean, when he reported, it was more like, it was a feeling of like, all right, y'all, let's go. So, like, my feeling was, all right, I want to actually see him playing, so let's get this man the ball more. Yeah. So, that was <laughs> so that was my mindset. I want to sit up, like, I actually want to get him the ball back. Let's get three and now so we can sit on the sideline and watch this man do his thing. Like, I, that's the type of mindset we had took. And then really, like, last year was more like a, like an eye-opener for us. And then that's why I ended up coming back. That's why I signed my contract to come back this year. You know what's crazy is when you play with guys like that or, or like, you get on teams that are really good, you feel like you don't have to do – like, you don't have to do as much. Like, you don't have to do go out and be – Just do your job. If I do yeah. my little part, and because everybody's great and they do their part, we're going to beat the shit out of everybody. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. Like – it takes a lot of pressure off when guys like that show up in 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 your in your locker room. Yeah, that's like a, yeah, that's the mindset right there. Do your job. I ain't finna be the one that this finna be fall on. So I'm gonna <laughs> he gonna yeah. do his job, so we do my job, so he can do it, so I can watch him do his job. Uh, <laughs> Is that how you felt? No nine C with how? Yeah, I mean, I just was? anytime when when I came to the Yankees, like because they do so much to. <laughs> put us in position to, you know, win the division and ultimately try to win the World Series, that you just feel like you need to do your little part. You don't have to – I don't have to go out and try to win 20 games. It may happen by mm-hmm. me just going out and try to win one every single night, but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is just to win. And by by the culture and the nature of that changing, it just elevates your game. It's funny. Like, even we were talking to Glaber – about Glaber Torres from the Yankees about this, like in his approach, right? And he was saying not chasing pitches as much because he knows judges behind him, stands behind him. They got his back. Um, I, uh, you know, the other interesting thing, talking to Alan Lazard, Quincy, and, and then we saw some comments from Aaron Rodgers as well. These guys are in love with Nathaniel Hackett. Like he has a lot to do with their excitement about being here as a defensive player. Do you have interactions with him that make you see like, okay, I see why these guys feel as strongly as they do about him? 
So not yet, just because kind of like the offense and defense are like on their own, but like towards training camp or OTAs, later OTAs, just like after we've had a practice against them, just be like, I mean, just coming to them, just be like, you know, what are certain things that I need to work on? Like, what are certain things that you're seeing? So oh, nice. I, mean, I go to Aaron Rodgers all the time and just be like, bro, what did you see that made you throw that? Or like, do you see holes in our – what holes do you see in our defense? Mm. So we played against him last year. So as soon as he got here, it was more like uh, picking his brain on, like, where did you see our weaknesses was? And then he'll just come out and tell you and be like, well – like me, he came out and told me like, "Hey, well, I seen your ankle was hurting, and you had just came back from two weeks or whatever. So I knew you was gonna favor your left side over your right side. So it's just like, if he was to come out and say that, it was more like a, ooh, all right, man, mm-hmm. this is what he's looking at type thing. Yeah, mm. that's uh, that's gonna be pretty cool, Quincy. You are awesome, man. You you're, you're obviously become such a such a good, consistent, big part of this Jets defense, and congratulations on the contract. Fascinating. I mean, the the, the swimming thing just still blows my mind that you were this because, like, you know, some people play different. You know what I'm saying? See, like, we have people come on and talk about the different sports growing up. I don't think we've ever had a swimmer before, though. No, nah, I don't think we've had a competitive <laughs> swimmer. No, nah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, but. You have such a dynamic personality. You're absolutely crushing it, and we really appreciate the time today, Quincy. Continued success to you, man, and uh, I hope that your group is the group that ends the Jets' Super Bowl drought because this city will be on fire if it Yes, is. it will. I appreciate you guys having me on here for real. Thank you, Quincy. Good luck Thanks. the rest of the way, bro. All right. Well, see, I Quincy was funny, man. Like he, he was, was really funny. Yo, could you imagine being stuck in a in a uh, in a refrigerator, like a big storage refrigerator, taking a call? Like, what if you get locked yeah. in there? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh that's, that's a pretty dope story to be able to like be out partying, and, yeah, and then get, get your contract and then just go crazy. Like, I can only imagine. That is. That is awesome. Like you, that is the perfect way to receive that news. The perfect way. Uh, we, yeah. we hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. All of that helps. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Peace, everybody. Peace.